everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Chip Out Podcast. My name is Chris, I will be your host, and today we're going to be taking a look at the PGA Championship, giving a preview solely on the year's second major that's starting this week in New York. We're going to give you all the information you need to know to get hyped and ready for the year's second major, and see who's going to win and take home the Wanamaker Trophy. If you like what you hear today, remember to check out our website at www.chipoutgolf.com, and if you have any questions, Get them sent in at chipoutgolf at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash chipoutgolf. We're going to be talking about all the runners and riders, all the hot favourites, all the sleeper picks, all the predictions you could possibly want. But first, let's give a quick rundown of the course. This year will be the 101st playing of the PGA Championship, with defending champion Brooks Kepka winning last year at Bell Reef Country Club, coming to New York to defend his title at one of the most famous golf courses in America, and possibly one of the most difficult golf courses in America, Beth Page Black. Now, what can you say about Beth Page Black that's not already been said? It's one of the most historic, famous, and possibly most beloved golf courses in the entire United States. It differs so much from all the other famous golf courses in the United States because it's the first truly public golf course to host the US Open. It's basically the highest caliber public golf course in the United States. It's the national treasure for Americans and And for New Yorkers, this could not be any better for them. Having a PGA Championship hosted at Bethpage Black, they're going to be out of their numbers. They're going to be surrounding the fairways and it's going to be loud. There's going to be a lot of support for Tiger Woods, a lot of support for Phil Mickelson. It's going to be an incredible week. The course itself, Bethpage Black, unbelievably difficult. So long. It's always been considered one of the longest golf courses that you can possibly play. It's hosted two U.S. Opens in the past, the first of those being in 2002, when it became the first public golf course to host a U.S. Open. Tiger Woods ended up winning that year, but it was the longest golf course in the history of the U.S. Open that year. Obviously, over time, the difficulty in length has been significantly reduced. At the time, I think it was only 7,200 yards. I say only 7,200 yards. For me, that's very difficult. But 17 years later, in 2019... 7,200 yards is considered a very short golf course for these players. They've lengthened the course significantly since then. There's seven par fours over 450 yards off the back tees, and there's three par threes over 210 yards. The greens are not notoriously big, but the rough is notoriously thick, and that is one of the most paramount considerations going into this week. It is a PGA Championship, and it's not a US Open. So the US Open has been hosted twice at Bethpage Black. So the US Open's been hosted twice at Bethpage Black. Obviously Tiger won in 2002, and it returned in 2009 where Lucas Glover was the surprise of winner. Of those two US Opens, only six players were under par for the week. Since then, however, it's hosted two PGA Tour events. Those were FedEx Cup playoff events, both of them the Barclays, which rotates around New York golf courses. The Barclays in 2012 was at the Bethpage Black, and Nick Watney shot 10 under par to win. Now, Tiger Woods shot three under par in 2002. Lucas Glover shot four under par in 2009. For a regular PGA Tour event, particularly a playoffs event, where the courses are intended to be a little bit difficult, but still the PGA Tour directors and the TV executives, they want lots of birdies. They want good golf being demonstrated. 10 under par being the winning total in a FedEx Cup event, in a PGA Tour event in general, is very, very low. To add on to that, in 2016... Patrick Reed was the champion at the Barclays at nine under par. And it goes to show there's a lot of talk this week that the course is not going to be set up like a US Open. It's not going to be thick rough, luscious rough. 
and the rough is going to be a little bit trimmed down and the golf course is going to be a little bit softer. It's going to be more PGA Championship style because the PGA are not stubborn and, well, as foolish, shall we say, <laughs> being a bit generous even, as the USGA in trying to maneuver, manipulate a golf course. They want the golf course as it is and the, that will be the test across the week. They want it to be a good test, but they want to see birdies and they want to see good golf. They're not like the USGA who would set Bethpage Black up this year in a disgraceful manner just to try and get the score winning at level par. The, the winning score is not going to be level par this week, that's for sure. The winning score is probably going to be even better than 10 under par given the quality of golf coming in this week, depending on the conditions, however. And the reason I say this winning score is going to be so low is because it's scheduled to rain on Monday and Tuesday, which is going to soften the course up considerably. Obviously, Bethpage Black almost certainly has undersoil heating, and they've got a huge green keeping staff keeping the course in excellent condition all year round. But try as these green staff might, they're still going to struggle to keep the course dry, to keep it firm and fast, much like a US Open would be. And of course, the PGA want, you know, they want it to be a test. They don't want it to be a walkover, especially a course like Bethpage Black, which is so beloved, so cherished. I don't think anybody wants to see Bethpage Black turned over. Bethpage Black is famous for having the sign on the start of the golf course where it says warning. The Bethpage Black State course is extremely difficult and is recommended for highly skilled golfers only. I don't think fans want to see this course walked over by the players. It's possible that it could happen though because of this rain. And I'm sure the green staff are going to try and dry out the course. But what's going to happen is it's going to make the course a paradise for the big hitters. And it's going to make the course very difficult for the short hitters. If you're short and crooked around Bethpage Black when it's wet, you're going to be shooting a very poor score. You're not going to be contending. Because the rough is extremely lush, especially when it's wet. It doesn't matter how thick the PGA decides to have it, it's going to be lush. And furthermore, there's eight acres of bunkers around Bethpage Black. It's going to be made even more difficult off the tee. So many people say that you have to be long off the tee at Bethpage Black, but you really have to be straight as well. And we say this many times, but I think straight is going to be more important this week than long. I think you're going to see the one of the most accurate drivers not necessarily the longest driver, but the most accurate, they're going to be the ones who are contending. And obviously, that includes the long hitters, people like Rory, people like Brooks Kepka, people like Dustin Johnson. They're obviously going to be in contention because not only are they accurate, they also hit it a mile. I think we're going to be looking at one of the best PGA Championships in a long time because this PGA Championship is being played host by one of the best courses in the world. We normally see the best golf courses in America as US Open venues because they're, the US Open is the next highest tournament after the Masters. It's basically America's Championship. So for the PGA Championship to get Bethpage Black as its venue, it's going to be an unbelievable event. Looking into the conditions, and this is really important for two reasons. We're looking at the conditions to see who's in the best side of the draw this week, and also what the course is going to be playing like. So as I mentioned just now, on Monday there's scheduled to be quite a lot of rain, quite heavy rain as well. And the significance of this heavy rain is the course will be wet. And the course is wet, the ball will be much easier to stop on the greens from the fairway in particular. And obviously this gives a huge advantage to the longer hitters, but it also gives an advantage to the people who play at certain times of day where the wind is blowing less. Because with no wind, you can throw darts. And if you can throw darts, you're going to be having much easier birdie chances more consistently. And that is really important around Bethpage Black. Tuesday and Wednesday are scheduled to be quite dry days, but just recently the forecast has changed to expect showers and a little bit of torrential rain, 
a little bit of a deluge on Thursday morning, which is going to change absolutely everything. The way that the guys are going to play the course in the practice rounds is going to be completely different. It's scheduled to be very wet, which means it's going to be a bit of a shootout on the Thursday morning. The rain will make a huge impact. And it's scheduled to be raining during the morning as well. So morning players won't necessarily have it too easy. The wind is also going to be pretty even throughout the day. So on Thursday, the afternoon players are going to have a very, very big advantage going into the day. They're going to have no wind and they're going to have a wet course without rain, which is a much better thing than having a little bit of wind with rain and a wet course. Even though both of them are not too bad, you'd expect the afternoon players will try and make take advantage of that. And on Friday, again, there's going to be rain in the early morning, which is going to soften up the golf course even more, keep it at the same pretty much conditions that the players are going to have in the afternoon on the Thursday. But there's going to be a little bit of rain, a little bit of showers, but very little wind in the morning. And the wind is going to be almost a little bit more in the afternoon again. So the players who play Friday afternoon and Friday morning are going to have a distinct advantage, I think, in in the draw. They've got the better side of the draw is what it looks like. Obviously, we can't tell until we watch the tournament itself and the players are in the tournament. But from first glance, it looks like the players on Thursday afternoon and Friday morning in that half of the draw are really going to have an advantage. On Saturday, on moving day, the weather is going to be pretty much the same all day where it's going to be a little bit drier, but the temperature and wind are going to be pretty consistent. And the green should hold up too because it's going to be a bit dry. They might get a little bit chewed up, but moving day shouldn't be too much of a discrepancy in the weather so that could help benefit the people who have made their way to the front of the leaderboard and on Sunday there may be some rain at the very end of play which is going to make an exciting finish if it is raining but again the day will be relatively benign and just like throughout all the week I mentioned that there's a little bit more wind in certain times of day but the wind is still always below 10 miles an hour and the gusting will probably be about to 15 and the max winds on Sunday are going to be again quite low so the wind is not going to play too much of a factor, so it's going to be a shootout no matter what. You're going to have to shoot low scores to win around Beth Page Black. So hopefully the PGA set the course up a little bit tougher to account for that, to try and bring the scores up a bit, try and make sure that Beth Page Black holds its own. I mean, the course is extremely long, which is going to be very tough for some people. I say that it's going to be need to be a lot of birdies, but some players are going to really struggle to make birdies because of how long it is. But then you look at people like Kepka, 450-yard par fours and nothing for Kepka. If you're carrying it at 260 and you're trying to roll it out about 30 more yards, if you're a player like Graham McDowell who does that, you're going to really have a tough time. The ball is going to go how far it carries. So the people who hit the ball really high, the people who hit the ball really far, are the kind of players who are going to really, really succeed in this tournament. And every time conditions like that are mentioned, Rory McIlroy is always the first name that comes up because he hits it so high and he carries it so far. So I'll get on to who I think is going to be a really interesting pick this week in just a second. But as we looked at these conditions, let's have a quick look at some of the tee times. Some of the players starting in the morning on Thursday and the afternoon on Friday. So this is the more detrimental draw, I would suggest. Some of these players include Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Xander Schofferly, Brooks Capcom, Francesco Molinari and Tiger Woods. So there's some huge names in this side of the draw. A couple of names really stand out to me as players who have potential to make this work. Brooks Kepka, I've mentioned him a few times. He's in incredible form. He's defending champion. And the way he hits the ball, it's very, very difficult to look past him. To me, he is the very clear favourite this week to win the whole thing. 
He's not the bookie's favourite, but to me, he is a clear favourite. He's got everything you want from Dustin Johnson. He's got everything you want from Roy McIlroy. And he's got the sort of metal that Tiger Woods used to have. And, well, Tiger Woods does have. He's a big tournament player. He's just had a really good finish in his warm-up tournament. His first tournament since the Masters. Last week at the Byron Nelson, where he finished fourth. In his last seven majors, he's had three wins and a second place, which is just an unbelievable record. And it's something you, you know, you really can't ignore. Obviously, Tiger Woods looking for his second major as well. I'll get onto him in a second, but he's another name to watch. It's going to be tough for Ricky, but I think he's got potential to contend. I really do fancy that he's going to be up there in the top of the leaderboard. And obviously with Ricky, it's just going to come down to one of these days, he's going to get a really, really glorious chance. Will he be able to take it? The answer to me is definitely yes. But until he does it, it's going to be speculating whether he wins a major or not. So I think this week could be a good week to watch out for Ricky. But looking at the Thursday afternoon, Friday morning starters, these are the guys I think could have a really good chance. Now, look at some of the names who are teeing off in the afternoon on Thursday. We've got Eddie Pepperell, Tony Finau, Ian Poulter, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Kevin Kisner, Bryson DeChambeau, McElroy, Mickelson, and Day. There's a lot of names there that I just named, but there's a couple that really stand out straight away. Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. Those are the names that stand out to me straight away. Big hitters, straight. And basically, there's a correlation on the world rankings between the best drivers of the golf ball and the best players in the world. You see it in pretty much going down the world rankings. If you hit the ball a long, long way and straight, I know the old saying is drive for show, putt for dough, but I don't really think that's the case anymore. I think statistics have proven this as well, but driving it really, really far and straight, there's a correlation between the best drivers and the top players in the world. And there's no different this week. You really need to hit it far. You need to hit it straight off the tee to get those second shots into the greens. So McElroy, Rahm, Johnson, they really stand out to me. But then another name is Jordan Spieth. And Spieth stands out to me as well. And I'm going to go over Tiger Woods and Spieth now. Because we're going to have a quick look at the major context of this week in the PGA. Just before we get into our picks. And looking at the major context, the big stories that stand out are Spieth and Woods. Tiger Woods stands out for one obvious reason. Jack Nicholas is major record. And the reason that stands out is because we all know what happened in Augusta a month ago. Tiger picked up his fifth green jacket. He picked up his 15th major championship. And there's talk potentially that Tiger could be going for a Grand Slam. Now, that's really premature talk. But can you imagine if Tiger tied Jack Nicklaus's record by winning four majors in a year? Something he's never done. He's done the Tiger Slam where he won four majors in a row and held them all at one time. And the way Tiger's playing, and there doesn't seem to be too many players who put above Tiger in terms of form, in terms of pedigree, because Tiger is now back and you, you just can't bet against him. You'd be a very brave man to bet that Tiger Woods will not win this PGA Championship. And the odds are not in his favour because the course does not set up well for him. It's long and you have to be straight. And his driving hasn't been incredible. It, when it needs to be, it is. But it hasn't been incredible. He got away with quite a few drives at the Masters. His driving before that at the match play and at various tournaments was very poor and it was what was laying him down. If he drives it poorly this week, he won't win. No matter what Tiger Magic will occur he just won't win the tournament because you've got to be in the fairway you've got to be out of the rough and you've got to be far enough down there to get control into these really tight greens where you need to land the ball in certain spots 
if Tiger can find something with the driver, which he, you know, he hasn't played in a month, he's probably been working on that quite a lot. If he brings it to the tournament, then it's very difficult to bet against him. He and Kepka for me are, you know, the top runners, the the favourites, joint favourites perhaps. And if Tiger Woods is in contention on Sunday, this tournament would be much better. So I really do hope that's the case. I'm talking about Spieth now. Spieth needs the PGA Championship to complete the career Grand Slam. Now that's often overlooked because Rory needs the most high-profile major of them all, the Masters, the first major of the year to win his career Grand Slam. You know, Phil needs the three people who can win the, the Grand Slam at the moment who are on three of the majors, of the four majors. Phil Mickelson, who needs the US Open, Jordan Spieth, who needs the PGA Championship, and McIlroy, who needs the Masters. Now, the reason this is interesting is because the US Open and the PGA come around in the middle of the season. The Masters comes around at the start of the season. So the second the, second the Open is finished this year, everyone's going to be talking about McIlroy at the Masters next year to, to complete the career Grand Slam. So lost in that is Spieth, because obviously Mickelson's Troubles at the US Open are very well storied. Spieth's PGA Championship Grand Slam bid is very overlooked and his form has been, well, terrible for a long time now. He's slipped to 40th in the world. No, excuse me. He slipped to 39th in the world rankings. Jordan Spieth, you know, world number one for a long time, three-time major winner. It's quite incredible his fall, but it's not permanent, I don't think. He's showing signs of regaining his confidence and regaining his form and it would be very Jordan Spieth-like if he turned up and he won in a fantastic fashion. So I wouldn't write him off whatsoever, but it's difficult to see him winning, but you know, you can't write off Spieth ever. He's going to be in contention for majors for his entire career, no matter how his form is. So again, Spieth is one to watch for sure. Now, if you tuned into the podcast before, or you've checked out our website, www.chipoutgolf.com, You'll have seen in our previews that we like to go with a no-brainer pick, a not-so-fast pick, and a no-thank-you pick. So a player who we think is destined to contend, a player who could contend, and a player who we really don't think is going to contend. But we're going to do a slight little mix-up of that this week because just to pick three players is, you know, a bit boring when we've got a full PJ Championship to pick. The first category, which is the no-brainer favourites. And obviously for me, number one, Brooks Kepka. We've discussed Tiger, and I do think Tiger is a bit of a no-brainer favourite as well. But even more of a no-brainer favourite to me is the defending champ. He still holds the Wanamaker trophy, and we've seen it before. He's defended every single major he's ever won. Obviously, that's only one major that he's defended so far, but this is his second defence, and he will not want to let go of that Wanamaker trophy. He has shown that of every criticism he's taken, of every sort of all the lack of respect that he seems to get in the media and everybody seems to talk about that he gets a lack of respect is now the new angle for Brooks Kepka in the media. But everything he does, it doesn't really matter. When it comes to major championship season, when it comes to the major championships, he performs every single time. I think there's only one time in the last seven majors he's finished outside the top 15. And only twice he's finished outside the top six, winning three of them, finishing runner-up once, and that was Tiger Woods in the Masters. To win three majors in your last seven starts and have a runner-up to Tiger Woods at the Masters, that consistency is awesome. And 
it's obviously well known now about Brooks Kepka that he's a major player, but the fact that he's played one tournament since the Masters and it's a warm-up for this week, he didn't even seem like he was trying to win last week. Obviously, he was trying to win, but it was more about getting himself ready for Beth Page. He's probably practiced around there a few times, and the way the course is going to be set up, it's going to be soft. It just suits Brooks Kepka down to a tee. He's so accurate off the tee. He carries the ball so far. He's going to be eating up these par fours and par fives, even with no roll on the fairways. He's going to be taking this course apart a little bit, you think, if he gets the putter going, and the putter has looked really good this week at the Byron Nelson. If that putter continues to roll, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. I'm not always a betting man. Sometimes I am. But if I was a betting man this week, Kepka's where my money's at. Because he's not even the bookie's favourite. He's the fourth or fifth favourite with the bookies, which is incredible to me. I would have been surprised that he's not second favourite. He's defending champion. He finished second in the last major. But, you know, you're a brave person. You're a brave... You know, you're a brave man to bet against Brooks Kepka. I certainly won't be betting against Brooks Kepka. I think he's got a fantastic chance to win this week, and I expect him to be... Well, I don't want to say I expect him to win, but I thoroughly think that he's going to win this week. I've mentioned Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy quite a bit in this show already, but I don't think that they're going to win this week because I'm starting to lose faith in them as players who can consistently win majors. Obviously, DJ wins big tournaments very often. He's won a lot of WGCs and McIlroy's won four majors. But I just don't see them crossing the line. I don't know what it is. I think it's a lot of past history, a lot of recent history as well, where they're just not getting the job done like they should. DJ should have more than one major. McElroy should be winning a lot more than four majors as well. He's collapsing. He hasn't won since in five years now. So it'll be really interesting to see if one of them can cross the line, but I don't think it will be the case. So they're not in part of my no-brainer favourites. We'll go now to the not-so-fast picks, which are the dark horses, in my opinion. Now, I'm going to have three of these dark horses. They're going to be Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, and Eddie Pepperell. Now, in this space, previously, I've talked about Phil Mickelson as my no-thank-you pick. And it was a couple of weeks ago at the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. There's something about Mickelson this year which has been very strange. I've not liked his attitude. Sort of just packed it in in all these tournaments. He's missing the cut quite routinely in regular tournaments. But with Phil, you just know that when it comes to major championships, he gets himself ready. He gets in the zone. His focus is greater. His concentration is greater. And that's often what lets him down. Well, not necessarily lets him down, but that's often what he allows to wander during regular tournaments, it seems. When he wants to win, he doesn't let concentration beat him. If he pits poor shots, or if he's not playing well, that's fair enough. But he doesn't let his focus and concentration beat him. He's always ready for those big moments when he really wants it. And that's the case for Phil now. It's whether he wants it or not. And you know for the majors, he still wants them bad. The US Open is obviously number one in his goal this year with at Pebble Beach, where he's had so much success and all he needs to complete his career is the Grand Slam, really. And that's the US Open. But that doesn't change the fact that this week at Bethpage Black, where he finished really well in 2009 when the US Open was there and was a big New York favourite, he's going to have huge crowd support. And you really have to think, 
if he rides that crowd support and he really gets motivated, he's going to produce a good performance. I'm not sure if he's going to be good enough to win, but he's going to be, you know, entertaining the crowd. And I think he'll be in contention on Sunday. My second dark horse is Sergio Garcia. Now, Sergio, again, is a weird one. He's had a very strange season, but he's had come off a really good finish at the Wells Fargo. And he's got excellent form around Bethpage Black. The best form of any golfer. He has the most top tens around Bethpage Black that other tournaments have been played when there's been four of them. So the Ryder Cup is going to be held there in 2024. You have to think maybe Sergio could channel some of those vibes. Maybe he can get into the zone. Maybe he can try and bring his good form to Bethpage Black into a really good performance this week. Maybe even winning his second major. And if that's the case where he wins another major here at Bethpage Black, a future Ryder Cup venue, you know that's going to motivate him for five more years to try and get into that 2024 Ryder Cup. And that's a big thing for Sergio. I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about this Ryder Cup in five years' time and thinking, I'm going to have more of a say as maybe a captain's pick. I'm going to be more likely to be picked because of my history around the course. If I put another good performance, if I can win another major. And obviously, if he can win another major, he's guaranteed until 2024 to be in every single major, which you never know. He might fall out of form, might fall out of the top 50, and he'll just be able to play the Masters. He can produce those Ryder Cup points at the last minute. And I think that's in his mind. So it'll be really interesting to see the kind of performance he puts in. He's a great driver of the golf ball. If he can get the putter working, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sergio at the top of the leaderboard. He's got great history. He's got great form coming in. And it's the kind of setting and tournament which he would really thrive on. So I really fancy Sergio to perform well this week. And my final dark horse is Eddie Pepperell. Now, Eddie, other than being a really lovable character is producing some great golf at the moment. He just finished second at the British Masters this last week at Hillside Golf Club when he said he didn't have his best stuff. And he shot a final round, 66, six birdies, zero bogeys. Bogey-free round to finish second, finish one off the lead, which was eventually won by Marcus Kinholt, which I've discussed in the main episode of Chip Up Podcast this week. But to finish that well, when you don't even think you've got your best stuff, he says he doesn't really want win because he was worried about his performance on the final round. So it's not going to be too much win this week at Bethpage, but the one problem I worry about with Eddie, he's got the form, he's got the pedigree in America now as well with the Players' Championship finish. The one thing I worry about is his driving. He didn't take the driver a lot this week at the British Masters, which shows to me he's not confident. He's going to have to take the driver at Bethpage Black. It's too long, and with the conditions as they're going to be, it's going to be far too long with no rollout to play an iron off the tee. You can't do it. You won't be able to reach the greens. He's going to have to hit driver and then long irons off the off the fairway, most likely. So this pick hinges on whether he can sort something out with the driver. And I trust that he can because he's the kind of guy who seems like he can really solve problems quite quickly in the sense of he knows that there's a problem. He takes a very relaxed approach to solving that problem and then that problem gets solved. I think that's going to be the case of Eddie and his incredible short game will stand him in good stead as well this week if he can find the fairways and if he can find the fairways then I really fancy he's going to be in for another good finish because the PJ Championship probably the not the easiest tournament to win but it's the most open in the sense of a lot of players can win because of the setup of the golf course Beth Plage Black obviously reduces that number because of its pedigree and its difficulty but I think Eddie Pepperell would survive that cutoff and he can definitely contend this week if he can find the fairways though that's the big key
And now we're going to go really deep here with some more picks, with some real, real sleeper dark horse picks, some almost railway sleeper picks. We'll normally go for a no thank you pick, which is a player who I really don't think is going to win. But I don't think that's appropriate this week. I think instead we'll go for some really deep picks here. And the first of those picks for me is Justin Harding. Now, the South African won for the first time on the European Tour earlier this year in Qatar, where he picked up an incredible win in the Middle East swing. And that win has vaulted him on to now playing quite regularly. He plays almost every single week on the PJ Tour because he's gone inside the top 50 in the world and he can get in all these PJ Tour tournaments. This is really an important factor in why I, I'm picking Justin Harding this week as a sort of a really sleeper pick because he produced a really good performance at the Masters. I think he got into next year's Masters. He finished in the top 12. And he's been producing a lot of really good performances on the PJ Tour. He had another good finish last week. He's got everything you could possibly want. Short game, putting. He's got a great swing as well. And that's important when you're playing under the highest pressure. You need to have a swing which you can trust, a swing which is repeatable. And I think Justin Harden certainly has that. I don't think he's going to win at all. I, I do not think that at all. But I can definitely see a top 10 finish in the offing. Because he's used to playing now on the PJ Tour. He's used to playing in these conditions. He's not going to find the transition to Beth Page. As difficult as some other European tour players will probably find it. And I think the style, of course, that Bethpage Black is will definitely suit the PGA Tour players a bit more. But again, accuracy over familiarity will be important. So for someone like Harding, the fact that he's got a little bit of familiarity with American-style courses, he's proved himself all over the world now. That's going to really stand him in good stead in all the major championships, much like most of his South African counterparts, like Brandon Grace, for instance in that every single tournament suits him. Obviously, Louis Oosthuizen finishing second in every major, he's a different calibre of player almost. But for Harding, I think it's a really good chance this week to get a good finish. And the last pick of all, the last real deep sleeper pick, is going to be Graham McDowell. Now, I said earlier in the show that I think GMAC could struggle with distance in this course, but the one key that GMAC will have going for him is accuracy off the tee. He's always been an extremely straight driver of the golf ball, which is made up in most part for his lack of distance. He still hits the ball quite a long way. And he hits it with such a penetrating flight, though, that it will get a little bit of roll. It depends how soft the course is. If the course is really, really soft, he may struggle. If the course is just a little bit soft and they dry the course out, trying to make it more playable, or at least a little bit more difficult, then GMAX is definitely going to contend a bit better. But with GMAX heart, it doesn't really matter the course. It doesn't matter the challenge. He's won a US Open. He can produce on the highest stage of all. And with what GMAC knows he needs to do to get into the Open at his home course at Portrush, that is all that I'm sure he's thinking about at the moment. These are three pivotal months in GMAC's career. He's got the PGA Championship this week, which he knows he needs to get big points at to try and earn his way back into the Open. These are the tournaments where he's got to get good finishes so he can really rise up the rankings. Then he's got the US Open at Pebble Beach, of course, where he won nine years ago now. Then there's the Open at Royal Portrush. And GMAC's going to do everything he could possibly do to get there. So that starts this week. So even though the course doesn't play into his hands, even though he isn't quite a bookie's favourite sort of player, I fancy he's going to get a good finish this week just from pure desire to try and get his way back into the Open. So GMAC is my last sleeper pick there. And that just about rounds up 
the preview of this week's PGA Championship of F-Plage Black. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I hope this has got you a bit more hyped for the tournament if you weren't already. I certainly am very, very excited about what's going to happen this week. It's going to be a fantastic tournament. The course is going to play a huge part. The fans are going to be very boisterous. The weather could even make it even more exciting, obviously with the rain expected on Sunday evening. Everything is just shaping up for a great tournament. And I definitely hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. So thank you so much for listening to this special episode, everybody. And we'll be back next week with regularly scheduled programming. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. And happy golfing. Enjoy the PGA this week. Thank you.